Hello. Got you. Got you. Good timing. <laughs> How you doing? Good. Happy Sunday. We are actually recording, and I was thinking maybe this is what we'll do: record and put it out on the same day. Oh dear. Because then, like, what I noticed sometimes is when I was editing, it was like we were talking about stuff, and it didn't make sense when it was coming out. So, like, people who might listen to it right away or within the week would be like. What are they talking about? School hasn't started yet. It's September 15th, you know, whatever it might have been. But we'll see. We'll see. Or maybe in the week, you know, in the run-up. What's going on? We had Community Day yesterday, October Community Day with the oddities. Yeah. You got a bajillion. I also got a bajillion of them. I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I know. Still we, tired. Our whole group pretty much crapped out at, at two hours. We just had to sit yeah. and relax. Well, also, I had no energy because yep. professors yep. had to use all the energy to. Literal and game energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was one of those times where, unlike, say, the, uh, odd, the um, Magical Artifacts one, which was last month with the time turner mm-hmm. where it was like there weren't like a ton this was like every inn and greenhouse we went by there were five or six and they take three yeah. to four casts and we didn't get boosted energy from yep. the inns so it was a lot yeah overwhelming but on the other hand in two hours we accomplished plenty and yeah. then when we were sitting we got to do those dark detectors and mm-hmm. enjoy each other's company we did some fortresses like you mentioned in your video and helped uh Chelsea finish her SOS quest. Great. Yep. Uh, pancake breakfast this morning. Yeah. Also, everyone who knows us knows that we love The Office, the Office podcast, Office Ladies podcast. Yes. And we finally finished the first episode because it was like an hour. Yeah. Probably <laughs> longer than it will usually be. Yeah, yeah. It depends on if they have guests, mm-hmm. if it's going to be like West Wing Weekly, depending on how many guests they have, if it's like oh, we got Steve Carell for one episode. Let's talk to him for a while. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Definitely going to be added to our excellent Sunday morning tradition. It's a perfect fit. I mean, I like it because I feel like I know a lot about The Office because mm-hmm. I knew some facts that you didn't. But mm-hmm. then there were some things that they said and I was like, I've never heard this before. This is so cool. I know at some point yesterday we were listening and you were like, this is great. <laughs> I don't remember what they said, but yeah, it was yeah. Something, something cool like that. Yeah. And the behind the scenes of getting to know each other and the audition process well my favorite part about any of this is listening to people talk about listening to creative people talk about creative stuff yeah so they're talking about like the different acting exercises Mm -hmm. and like how they made them like pretend they were doing office work and Mm -hmm. like doing um little sketches with the talking heads as like oh talk about one of your office mates like Mm -hmm. in character Mm -hmm. sort of thing and I don't know. I think that sort of stuff is really cool. Yeah, it was great. It's going to be really good, I think. They were super funny and did their research. Mm -hmm. They're quite contrasting. It's really quite funny (laughs) for being best friends, which is not uncommon, but it just is great for that type of setting. Yeah, so we have Pam and Angela, who are real-life best friends. They're there. And Jenna was all organized and looked at all this stuff and and angela (laughs) just like remembers things really interesting yeah yeah it's great i'm looking forward to it Mm -hmm. perfect perfect for us uh ready for the episode though okay hey all right Juan's ready uh let's everyone turn to page 143 Mm. the midnight duel 
And today's lesson is called Bearing Witness. So we'll see what that means or what I think it means in a minute. Uh, the chapter starts, this is a long one, uh, the synopsis. Okay. The chapter starts with Harry eager for his first flying lesson, despite worrying about making a fool of himself in front of Malfoy and the Slytherins. During the lesson, Harry finds that he is a natural and makes a brilliant but unsupervised swooping catch of Neville's Remembrall after Draco throws it, triumphing over Draco's bullying. That triumph seems short-lived, however, when Professor McGonagall, McGee, marches Harry away from the broomsticks and towards classrooms. Unexpectedly, she turns to Oliver Wood, the Gryffindor Quidditch captain, and turns him onto the idea of Harry being their seeker. Later, Malfoy challenges Harry to a duel. Ron joins Harry as his second, Hermione as an objector to breaking rules, and Neville as an unwitting tag-along. Draco is a no-show to the duel, expectedly, but seems to have informed Filch of the, ch of the uh, chance that Gryffindors might be wandering about after curfew. After scrambling away, the foursome stumble into a locked room that houses a massive three-headed dog who is guarding a trapdoor. Yeah. <laughs> Good chapter. We talked actually in the midweek or so about how it's basically like three mini chapters. It's, it's even organized that way. There's little breaks in the text. Kind mm -hmm. of interesting. Mm -hmm. But what did you think? Yeah, so this chapter is all about Quidditch. Yeah. So I have my Quidditch Through the Ages book that I'll talk about maybe later about some things that I learned. Yeah, so there's a line in there. Um, everyone from Wizarding Families talked about Quidditch constantly. So mm -hmm. this is kind of like the opening because um, they don't start off with flying lessons. This is like second week of classes or something like that so they're just about to start doing flying lessons and that's why harry's like all irritated because gryffindors are with, with slytherins and mm -hmm. you know he also very clearly states in the first or in the first sentence of the chapter it states that he does not like malfoy at all yeah no cannot stand that it's human out. <laughs> it's out in the open now yeah <laughs> yeah so like hermione is like in this book, reading everything that she can about Quidditch, and um, which, of course, like there's only so much you can learn by reading in a book. I love that <laughs> Epistemological conversation. Do you know things? Recounting these stories to Neville about like everything she's read about Quidditch. Yeah, yeah. Neville's like, oh yeah, I I'm gonna get all of this absorbed in my brain as well. <laughs> yeah, those two, they're funny. Yeah, and so like so we yeah we have some main characters throughout the chapter. We have our trio, of course. We mm -hmm. have Malfoy as a main person, and we also have Neville, yeah, who is present throughout because he gets a remember all. He does from his grand. Yeah. Oh, we didn't get out as a prop to oh, the yeah. one that you made. Yeah, that's in the Christmas box. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll hang it sometime in yeah. the background. Maybe we'll add it slowly to the background. Things that make sense. Uh, yeah, I mean Neville is who I wanted to talk about with you uh -huh. and is who I kind of had in mind with the, with the title of the lesson here. I was thinking generally about, so originally I had risk and reward, but it just was too on the nose. Mm -hmm. I felt like it's like, that's obviously like Harry's taking risks and being mm -hmm. rewarded and mm -hmm. all this, but why is he being rewarded and how is an interesting situation? Cause it's like, he gets rewarded because he becomes seeker he gets rewarded because he uh, doesn't die 
to a three-headed dog or get captured <laughs> by a filch, but actually like discover something new and interesting mm. to himself. Mm-hmm. Well, Hermione does actually, but I want to actually ask you, so there's a scene where Ron and Harry are leaving late at night for the duel mm-hmm. and Hermione follows them out mm-hmm. and kind of berates them and tries to convince them that they shouldn't be doing this. And she probably already suspects that it's, you know, a trap mm-hmm. of some kind. And they come across Neville, right? And there's like that moment where Harry is like, no, shut up. I heard something, you know, and what he hears is a sniffling, a snuffling, how he describes it or whatever. And then they walk over and Neville suddenly wakes up. Right. Mm. And I want to put out a claim here. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing some of what I know about how the book goes from here. And I, let's just, maybe it'll be a hypothetical. Is it possible that Neville was already awake and heard the whole conversation? Because I thought maybe the Mm -hmm. snuffling, he's crying, Mm -hmm. right? He's very scared. Mm -hmm. Bloody Baron's been by twice. I don't, I think he faked being asleep uh, because he was Mm -hmm. trying to clean up the fact that he was crying. And I think it's really interesting to think about the fact that there are two main acts of bravery because I was I also played with the name bravery seen and unseen. There's the bravery of Harry like standing up to mm-hmm. Draco, which is very obvious. It's in front of a lot of people. It gets witnessed by a third party McGonagall, mm-hmm. saves the day, saves the remember all, discovers he's like <laughs> a master and has a lineage uh, uh, for flying. And then there's Hermione, right? Mm-hmm who just kind of isn't friends with Ron and and Harry at this point, but is willing to stand up. And I think in this scenario where actually Neville is awake, I think it's interesting because he witnesses one of the two and pretty much everyone else witnesses the other of the two acts of bravery because he's not actually there when Harry does all this because he's broken his arm. Right, yeah. And like then what he does witness is Hermione and it's quiet and it's not out in the open. It's Mm -hmm. private. Mm -hmm. And I just always find that really interesting knowing what we know about what Neville will become and and Mm -hmm. has in him. Right. I mean, I also find it super interesting that he he can fly. He's just scared of it. Like he also has this like latent kind of magical. I don't know. But anyway. Yeah. No, I I love Neville. Um, I mean, right now, all of our interactions with him, he's just this like accident prone, goofy dude <laughs> that yeah. people are kind of like make fun of. Um, but yeah, Neville. So you're thinking Neville for. As like bearing witness to this act of More bravery. More private act yeah, of private bravery, act right. of bravery. Like, I think it's important that, you know, this this confrontation between Draco and Harry is so obviously a bully mm-hmm. and standing up to a bully. Mm-hmm. And you get this kind of two-sidedness, like who's piling on who and like who is cheering for who, whom. Yeah. Whom is actually never read <laughs> the office. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, part and of it's it is, great. It's but... like developing because there's an earlier scene where when, when Neville gets the remember all, and then he's like showing it hmm. and it turns scarlet immediately. <laughs> and 
Draco just comes and takes it out of his hand. And mm-hmm. both Ron and Harry stand up. And in the chapter, it's like they were hoping to get into a fight with Draco. Mm-hmm. Like this, had, I mean, the, the first line again is he's just like, he doesn't like Draco. He's like looking for, a, well, I guess maybe not looking for, but like he, any chance that he can get to stand up to Draco, he's going to take it. And so I think that it's been building up. And also it's interesting because like, so you have Draco who is this like, I don't know. He talks a big talk. That was also part of it, like talking about all of these like adventures and like escapes and whatever that he's done and like with his family and getting gifts and all this stuff. Like Draco is a very like in your face dramatic. Like he is, you know that you know who Draco Malfoy is. Mm -hmm. You also know who Harry Potter is because he's the boy who lived. He's the chosen one. And so putting those two up i mean it has to be a very public confrontation it has right. to be something that it was never going to be something private it was never going to be the midnight duel <laughs> it was never actually going to happen right it, mm-hmm. it it wouldn't have made sense yeah it would have been first like, of all draco would... is too cunning for that mm-hmm. but yeah I, you you bringing up harry and this idea of like his kind of anger for draco boiling up it was something that i was also considering it's like the line between like bravery and selfishness. And I just love how Hermione calls him out basically. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you guys are being so selfish. You're not being brave anymore. You're not standing up for Neville anymore. You're standing up for your pride, right? Mm -hmm. Because what Draco is, you know, teasing you or something, or Mm -hmm. he just gets under your skin. And that's exactly what Draco's trying to do. And like, you're just being very selfish. (laughs) Well, that's why it makes me so mad when they go and then, Hermione's like see I told you like it was a trap like whatever and there's like this line in there it's my quote that's the quote oh, I wrote yeah go ahead and read Harry it. thought she was probably right but he wasn't going to tell her that it infuriates me so much Harry oh my god it's also such a relatable thing of like of course you're not I mean this is gonna be me being like it's Hermione of course you're not gonna tell this no, smart girl woman. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That she's smart because, and that's also part of her inferiority complex. It just builds on each other. It's like, gosh, come on, Harry, do better. There's such, (laughs) I'll go to my JK Rowling praise moment. It's just so wonderful rereading this and kind of trying to come at it a little fresh, but knowing what we know. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't rush her characters. You know, she doesn't rush to tell us who Hermione is. Mm. She just lets Hermione interact a couple times, mm-hmm. do certain things, raising her hand, talking about points, talking about expel being expelled. Yeah. <laughs> kind of talking about rules and but sh- but at the same time like we get this it's so wonderful to me. Oh, it it kind of connects actually to what I was thinking about. Neville to me is the main character of the chapter or mm-hmm. like who it will matter the yep. most. This chapter will matter the most too. And like, I think he's faking it. And then like Neville is brave in his own way. To even be able to go to Hogwarts is like a form of bravery for him. It's just, a, he has a crazy backstory. But at this point, he this whole interaction with with Hermione like Neville I think is learning from Hermione a sense of standing up for yourself like you're not gonna you're standing up for what you think is right even more so and I think he is probably I love that 
because it's different than the movie, right? In the movie, it's just the three of them. Neville isn't mm-hmm. there. And I think there's something missing for the long term to not have Neville there for all of this because he also witnesses the fact that like Harry and Ron are in so scared by the dog. The only person who notices the trapdoor is Hermione. Mm-hmm. So she, what is her form of bravery that lets her like keep a keep herself together and and witness this stuff and stand up to her friends in this way or people who she you know, is more allied with than, than mm-hmm. Draco, <laughs> you know, I, I just love that. I, I think it's so great that he's there because mm-hmm. it seems like I even put in my synopsis, he's just a tagline. It seems mm-hmm. inconsequential, but it's so not that he's there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting also, if you think about um, all of them are in Gryffindor, which is known an attribute as bravery. And mm-hmm. from what we learned with the hat stall, Neville didn't think that he belonged in Gryffindor because he, you know, he, he was like, oh, Hufflepuff. Like he, he didn't feel like he embodied a Gryffindor bravery. Right. So it'll be, I mean, we know what happens, but it'll yeah, be exciting yeah, to yeah. see the bravery that Neville embodies throughout the series. I mean, oh, Neville is such a good character. She just does such a good job with him because it's like his sort of bumbliness has so clear reasons that we learn about. It's not just to write a bumbly character. Mm, mm-hmm. And like he's so intertwined in it all and it just doesn't seem like it, right? You're reading the first book for the first time and it's like, oh, who is this guy? Like he's a comic <laughs> relief of type, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, and it's just like, no, he's not at all, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like you get the, yeah, the the sorting and being sorted, the hat having confidence in him and... Mm-hmm. Like he really finds himself over the course of years, right? It's a, quite the experience. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you have? You have anything? Uh, else? Just are... some things from like flying class. <laughs> so <laughs> Neville slides off his broomstick, and then yeah. his broom keeps flying yeah, off I to the Forbidden that. Forest. I love that. What? Too. So funny. Where are you going, bro? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I, that oh is gosh. such a visual one. I just see it <laughs> when I read that one. It's so great. Yeah. It's just funny. And yeah, so there's just like a couple other things that stood out to me. So another quote that I pulled out was um, when Malfoy takes the remember all and is like, I don't know, being a jerk about it. And Harry's like about to stand up to him and he gets on the broom and he just starts flying. Like he just they didn't haven't even had their lesson yet. And he just starts flying. And the quote is, and in a rush of fierce joy, he realized he found something he could do without being taught. This was easy and this was wonderful. Oh, Harry just starts flying. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah right. Harry does, yeah. Because Malfoy, I think he he's, he exaggerates, but probably has flown. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And that's also, what, even though they're like, oh, yeah, he does talk a big talk, but he actually Probably his it. parents were yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> private fly. flying lessons. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, Harry, yeah. And I mean, this goes in line with like this natural giftedness, which could be interpreted as like, oh, well, we find out li- later that his father was a good Quidditch player. Like, is it something that's genetic? You know, these are things that are also common mm-hmm. questions of like when people are gifted, where does that come from? Are people naturally gifted at things? And then what does it mean for like when we try to teach people things? And, um, and so it's also kind of, I don't know. I always laugh at the whole, 
there's this whole rule breaking thing that's like such a big deal and especially McGonagall is like known as the the person who enforces the rules or is the stickler or whatever and then all of a sudden like oh hey <laughs> Harry yeah. Potter yeah. who cares about rule breaking when you can capitalize off student athletes I don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a yeah. That's a funny, funny little turnabout for McGonagall. Yeah, maybe get a sense of like she does have this like house pride. Yeah, and like it's almost maybe some of her baggage. She almost overcompensates at times in public, especially in the classrooms. Like because Ron even says like I wish McGonagall would treat us better Mm -hmm. or whatever. There you go, Ron. She probably like she probably uh, overtly tries to be even-handed across the four mm-hmm. houses but sometimes that type of behavior actually means that you overdo it and like take it out on Gryffindors mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's the case for her but it, it always occurs to me that it's like I don't know even-handedness in the face of like Snape so obviously favoring you know I don't know yeah yeah it's an interesting scene mm-hmm. it's a it's a fun scene I mean, he's not going to get expelled. Like, come on. <laughs> Obviously, the Madam character. Hooch says that. <laughs> it's funny. There, the whole Madam Hooch character is a little eh for me. She's a bit of a plot device, right? Mm. First of all, she doesn't know how to fix a broken arm. I find that very surprising for somebody mm. who's a flying instructor. Well, Second yeah, of all, also... she doesn't just give Neville over to a student. Right, to, yeah. She just leaves them all unsupervised and says, you know, don't, don't fly. Well, she kind of also has, in terms of titling, we know people are... There seems to be a hierarchy, so she's Madam Hooch and not Professor Hooch. Right. So there might also be something. Yeah, there. right. I don't like know. Madam Pomfrey. Yeah. True, but she's still a witch. Yeah. Seems like she would be able to mend the broke. It just seems like something that somebody would learn if they were going to be like a coach. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but although I guess my coach can't. My coaches couldn't set arms <laughs> or something like that. But she, you know. No, know. you need different people for that. Yeah. Uh, I also went back to Quidditch through the ages because yes. Oliver Wood um, was all, all excited and like, yeah, we got to get him a good broomstick. So I believe this is chapter nine. There's all about broomsticks. And um, so the two that Oliver talk about, we have the clean sweep seven. Mm-hmm. So actually Quidditch or not even qu- flying brooms were handmade um early on so you had broom makers and so they're very like artisan custom like it wasn't mass produced i guess it's like my point so um the the supply didn't really ever meet the demand Mm -hmm. but clean sweep was a pretty good broom so in 1926 there were three brothers named bob bill and barnaby ollerton they started the clean sweep broom company and um once the clean sweep won took off because they were able to basically (laughs) they're basically able to mass produce a very good quality broom this is in the 20s yeah well i don't know if it's mass produced it just says it was produced in numbers never seen before so maybe Mm. yeah 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 i think that it's supposed to align kind of historically with muggle history a lot um that Every Quidditch team used them within a year of the launch. Wow. So it it became like the thing. It was like, oh. And then after the clean sweep, then these like rival companies started like popping up of like trying to get get Quidditch. Oh, because clean sweep 
there's a squirrel on our fence. <laughs> Clean Sweep was a after okay I got yeah so it was marketed and uh as a racing broom specifically designed for sporting use so Mm. that's also partially why all the quidditch teams were all about it and then so like other um companies started and tried competing and then in 1967 the nimbus racing broom company made the nimbus 1000 and nothing like it had ever been seen before uh, let's see what else is up here. Reaching speeds of up to 100 miles per hour, capable of turning 360 degrees at a fixed point in midair. <laughs> Breaking Crazy. physics. Yeah. The Nimbus combined the reliability of the old Oak Shaft 79 with the easy handling of the best clean sweeps. So That's awesome. Oliver's talking about some quality brooms here. <laughs> yeah, he sure is. He sure is. Maybe it's even, maybe the analogy, although it's not at the same timeline, would be something like, uh, instruments like violins where they would be handmade mm. and unique and then all of a sudden there were like violin makers and things like that mm-hmm. and they become and but it actually like it's quite beneficial probably for the sport as it probably was for well music. yeah so you rather than individuals then you have companies cheap. that right. are making it so then you have and then you have this like specific like oh we want to make the best of the best I wonder what like it. if there's like a famous broom museum or something with mm. the Stradivarius in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's cool also this is super cool and I'm just going off on all these weird tangents but oh they should add brooms to the uh, ministry ID and was it mm. anyway yeah interesting yeah uh, we also have secret passageways yes. that are in this chapter. Actually, so I found an article on Wizarding World, which I'll link um, in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there, two of the secret passageways that are on this article are actually in this chapter itself. So the first is we have um, after... Uh, Fred and George find out that Harry is on the Quidditch team and they're like, yay, we're so excited. Um, They're like, okay, gotta go. Lee Jordan thinks that there's a secret passageway (laughs) behind the statue of Gregory the Smarmy, Mm -hmm. which I was like, hmm, I bet there's something about Gregory the Smarmy somewhere online. (laughs) Yeah, so apparently this dude is a medieval wizarding inventor who was a highly accomplished and successful potioner. And he created... Hmm. Gregory's unctuous unction, which is a potion which fools the drinker into thinking the giver of the potion is their best friend. So he is actually on a chocolate frog card as a famous wizard Hmm. and allegedly wormed his way into King Richard's confidence and made his fortune. Wow. Okay. And also, fun facts, the etymology Gregory is derived from Gregorius, meaning watchful or alert, or Latin Greg Gregorius. Mm-hmm. Smarmy means excessively or unctuously flattering, ingratiating, servile. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. yeah. So I don't know. That's all that I could find on him from some of the That's fandom great, wikis. That's so but... great. Yeah. <laughs> What about the, what was the second one? The second one is when they realize that Filch is looking for them, Harry starts running. And this is actually funny because like Harry was talking about how he couldn't navigate Hogwarts like the first (laughs) week and he's like, where is everything? So he's like leading the way and there's this tapestry that's by the trophy room and they go through it and they go through this secret passageway and on the other side they end up 
at the charms classroom and it's like way further away from the trophy room so (laughs) that's the second one okay okay that's awesome yeah Yeah. two of several i love fred and george yeah (laughs) yeah just great characters to be able to bring in and out and to have them be a tandem is is quite funny Mm-hmm. They just play off each other super well. Yeah. I always wondered if they ever like got mad at each other. We'll see. Probably. <laughs> yeah. They're brothers. You yeah, had a brother. True. So. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> or you have twin, a brother. Like, all the... You yeah. still have a brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a contract got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. No longer brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good chapter though. Yeah. All... We see a three-headed dog. Oh, we sure do. Yeah. Hermione just casually uses Alohomora and gets through. Yeah, it's my opinion that uh, Harry Potter Wizards Unite is attempting to follow along with our podcast in the calendar. (laughs) Put out the three-headed dog, and now it's Halloween, and got Halloween chapter coming up. Bingo. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) Another mystery to be uncovered. Well, great research, as always. Yeah. Super fun. It's fun to go through. Uh, Maybe we'll find some cool stuff for Halloween. Yeah, maybe. Anything else for you? Did you pick a quote? I don't. Did you? Think uh, well, I mean, I, there were a few. So it was. I, I read one of them already oh, about okay. the joy and stuff. Okay. The other okay. one that I picked out, but I mean, it's just not super important. Is like I love how Ron just casually volunteers as. Well, he's protecting Harry, but he's like, "Oh, I'm his second for the wizard duel," mm-hmm. and then he like tells Harry, he's like, "Oh, but people only die in proper duels, you know, with real wizards." <laughs> yeah, that whole. <laughs> it made me laugh a lot. That whole. Exchange. Harry's just like so stressed out. You're just going to be able to fire sparks at each other. It's fine. No problem. I'll take over if you die. Yeah. Classic. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, until next time. Until next time. Juan's Juan's ready. ready.